Hey, gang, welcome to another exciting episode of National Bugle Radio on the Republic Broadcasting Network, RBN, republicbroadcasting.org. It's the home improvement project of free speech, because as my listeners all know, I've spent the past couple of months uh, ripping out, ripping holes in the walls and ceilings of my closet, because there's a lot of knob and tube electric wires that are running (laughs) back there, and i got to pull them all out. And I, I pulled them out and I replaced them and I patched up the walls and painted it up and put in the uh, electrical outlets and everything. And I'd like to say I'm I am now out of the closet after all this time. <laughs> I'm finally out of the closet. I would say it feels empowering, but that would sound kind of gay. Uh, but at any rate, go to republicbroadcasting.org, Click on the donate button. Send badly needed fundage to 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas, 78664. Phone it in to 1-800-724-2719. Today is a joint show with Dr. David Duke. He's already done his intro. I've done my intro. Dr. Duke, thank you for having me, and thank you for joining my show. Well, it's great to be here with you, and and, and I always love your commentary on my show, and I know that you play a lot in, on, on your show of my commentary. Yeah, let's... Uh, Let's just start out with some basics, and and I, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people in the right and a lot of people on the left as well today complaining about the controlled media, not just the um, the controlled mass media, which is really about 90% of the world is covered, but also the, the controlled alternate media, even the ultimate media is both controlled by direct censorship uh, by these major organizations, they do permit some debate on some subjects, but on some things, it's pretty much forbidden. If if you get up today, especially if you're non-Jewish, and that's another good example of Jewish privilege in our society, because Jews can say even things about Jews that we can't say. There's we've talked about this in our program. There's a lot, or both of our programs. There's a lot more free speech in Israel to talk about Jewish crimes for instance, internationally or historically or currently, even even what's going on in Israel itself, there's probably more freedom on Jewish media to do it. They had uh, a major broadcast I saw the other day, or the tape of it the other day, of a television program in Israel, major television program, where they went through a lot of the atrocity propaganda against Hamas and what happened on October 7th. And they literally showed the the Jewish soldiers and authorities and all that lying through their teeth about these atrocities they supposedly witnessed, such as one guy was saying, yeah, uh, he, he came up to the kibbutz and he saw a woman in it and he saw clearly her uh, through the windows or whatever, I mean, through the small one, he saw her uh, tattoos, she was obviously a Holocaust uh, uh, survivor or whatever, who is now dying, of course, and uh, how that he says, um, he says, yes, and oh, my God, she was a Holocaust survivor, and here she is dying in Gaza. And her name was uh, Rosa or something like that. And uh, and then the announcer, he played a whole bunch of series of these so-called eyewitnesses. And then he said the problem with the story was that, that kibbutz, there was nobody by that name. There was nobody with a tattoo. You know, it was all it was all made up. 
And it, it was it was classic. It was very emotional. It's the kind of thing that will emotionally strike you. And you made me think of emotions and shock, being shocked by your story about ripping the wiring out of your closet. And the truth is what I really want to do today is try to rip some of that wiring out of the minds of truly open-minded people about so much of the realities of the world that are lies. And and we can even go to the, some of the biggest events of our recent times, for instance, the entire war in Ukraine. Every, almost everything about it is a lie. I'm not going to go into all the details right now, but you know, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't an unprovoked war about Russia's entry in the war, and the war really didn't start at all in 22. That was just the Russian uh, involvement. The war actually started in 2014, and the first act of the war was a Jewish coup in Ukraine by both Jewish oligarchs in Ukraine, Jewish money in Ukraine, like the Kolomoskis of the world, who were actually putting a bounty out for Russian people way before this, and the shelling and the attacks against the Donbass and the eastern part of Ukraine because of the fact that these people did not want to go along with the maiden revolution, the overthrow of the legally elected, democratically elected government of Ukraine by the United States of America. But really, it wasn't the United States of America. It was the Jews who were dominating our policy, Victoria Nuland, who her and her husband, they revel in their hatred of Russians. In fact, Newland blames her whole family dis, uh, with, with dysfunction and the dysfunction of her mistreatment by her father and grandfather and all that kind of stuff on the hey, Russian. Can I yeah. interject Please. for about 30 seconds? Sure. Uh, later this, so Victoria Newland gave a speech at the Center for Strategic and International Studies on the 22nd of this month, the two-year mm-hmm. anniversary of, uh, of Russia's uh, special military operation. And I'm going to be dissecting it uh, later this week. Uh, I will, that's what I was going to do today, but we decided we'd do this joint project. Um, but one thing that she said that was really interesting, you, you mentioned 2014 was the start of the war. She talked about uh, she the coup, but she didn't call it the Maidan coup or the Maidan. She didn't even call it the Maidan revolution. She called it, and this is very curious, the the revolution of dignity. And she dated it not to 2014, but to 2013, which is which is actually very strange. But that is when uh, she became the assistant secretary of state for European and Eurasian affairs. Oh, and strange it wasn't, 20, it wasn't. Yeah. And she I think she got that position maybe in October. And she was over there in December with John Kerry and Sassy Jen Psaki meeting with uh, with um, with uh, Poroshenko and Yatsenyuk and Klitschko, there's a famous photo that was published by one of the British newspapers, and that was 2013. Mm-hmm. And so it's very curious. You know, I don't know if you have any thoughts about it. I haven't done any deep thinking into it yet. But it's very curious. She'd be, she would date the revolution, the so-called revolution, to 2013 as opposed to 2014. To her involvement. Actually overthrown. <laughs> to, to her to her rising to this position, right, in the Obama administration yeah. of, of undersecretary of state, effectively, and orchestrating millions of dollars of American money to overthrow the legal elective government of Ukraine. And yet our government and our media constantly 
tells us, Wikipedia tells us this, of the, the Google tells us this, Facebook, you know, will ban people who tell us the truth that America overthrew the legally elected government of Ukraine and then started imposing incredibly racist, oppressive, hateful restrictions upon a great number of Ukrainians, people of open Russian descent. And and Ukraine, by the way, has, you know, had the original Ukrainian language, and, and even the 13th century, was, was Russian. And the only reason why the Russian part of Ukraine sp- spoke a different dialect, which became known as Ukrainian, was actually because of Polish influence, non-Ukrainian influence, because Poland controlled a lot, especially the West, a lot of the Western part of Ukraine. And uh, they introduced, uh, because they spoke kind of a pidgin Ukrainian, it wasn't a good Ukrainian, this basically infiltrated the language, and it caused some of the small diversions from Russia, in which they called the Ukrainian language. Interesting. Now, when Ukraine went away from the Russian language, they went away actually from their own heritage, because they were all Russian speakers basically before that, except for certain ethnic groups that weren't you know, originally Ukrainian, but the Kievan Rus, which stands for Russian, of course, the Kievan Rus was part of the what you would call the Russian Empire and the Russian and the Rus civilization. That's considered a great civilization, uh, a Slavic civilization, and it went all the way from Saint Petersburg, you know, down some of the Baltic states, what's today Belarus, Ukraine, and and traditional Russia, and so this. This was what Ukraine was part of, and the name, the Ukraine itself, in their own Russian dialect, it means like borderlands, because it's the edge of the Russian Empire. It's the, and that includes Ukraine. And Poles were claiming a lot of the land, and they had certain minorities in, in Ukraine, and other people existed there, Hungarians, Romanians, and others. And, um, and the interesting thing is there became division. Now, that wasn't, I don't think, a plot. That was basically not a plot. I don't think it was some sort of conspiracy. It was simply that the, the Poles were ruling and the arist- aristocrats had to communicate with the peasants and the people of uh, Ukraine. And so that what ended up was kind of a pigeon Ukrainian. Just like in Louisiana, we have a lot of people that speak French because this was actually once a French colony in Louisiana. And a lot of Acadians came down from Canada. And so they lived in an English-speaking region, country. Uh, they kept their French original language, but their language become, became changed and morphed a little bit because of the fact of the English influence into the language. Yet still, Frenchmen can pretty much understand the French language the same way Ukrainian can understand Russian to a great degree, and, uh, and vice versa. But uh, these divisions later... Uh, were used to divide the country. And the funny thing is that, of course, the Russian language is one of the richest languages in history. Sorry to drone so long on this, but this is an interesting historical issue that most people, I think most of our listeners aren't that familiar with, but we should become familiar with. The, the Russian language is one of the richest languages in the world. I mean, it's right up there with, obviously, the English language, not it's probably English language is probably the richest in literature, the richest in in many areas, and the French language is rich. Obviously, the German language is obviously rich, 
um, probably that's probably the talk top three, you know, English language, French, German, but Russian's right up there. And, um, and, and, and I'm going to throw in Japanese and Chinese just because. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I agree. I was talking about European theater, but that's fine. Hello? We didn't lose you, did we? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this is, this is kind of important to know. But by, by making that the kind of rule, now, even when I was going to school there uh, in the universities, and this is true in all of you know, these parts of, of the old, you know, the early Rus empire, um, that even if people spoke different dialects and different languages, when you went to university, you would study, um, you know, you'd study and be educated in the Russian language. And why was that? Because the Russian language was a far richer and broader language spoken by hundreds of millions of people with magnificent uh, works of literature like Dostoevsky, you know, writers and poets like Pushkin, so many others, and, uh, and great music, great architecture, and so forth. You have all these statues all over Ukraine to great Russian writers in which they're taking down. This is a divide and conquer that happens when Jews take over a country, right? They... They try to divide and conquer, just like they're doing in America. They purposely change the demographics of the country, not for the purpose of empowering blacks or making them advance. In fact, I would argue that blacks, in terms of the most basic values of life in America, are far worse off than they were years ago. I mean, the black family is not intact. The average black young boy or girl doesn't grow up with an active present father, as existed until the the civil rights revolution in the 1960s and 70s, and also the change of the culture of the country. So, but they like to divide and conquer and put one group against another to advance their interest. And I think they did that in Ukraine. Victoria Newland knew exactly what she was doing. Even though Jews actually detest Ukraine, Cossacks are the symbol of Ukraine. I've talked about this in this program a lot from my Jewish learning, in, in fact, talking about how evil the Cossacks are. And the Cossacks are evil anti-Semites and how the Cossacks and the Ukrainians, you know, were the executioners in Ukraine against the Jews. It wasn't even the Russians. It was the, it was the Cossacks, how they hate Cossacks. But suddenly they're telling us, oh, that the people of Ukraine, the Cossacks, which are the symbol of the country, well, they're, they're the good people. And those Russians are the bad people because they want Cossacks to kill Russians and and Russians to kill Cossacks, too. But they're really going against Russia because of what we talked earlier about Victoria Newland and this long-running ethnic hatred of, 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 of Russian. So I just wanted to bring that in. But again, this is, and it's, this is the important thing. It's not only that what we've just said was true in terms of the origins of the Russian language and why the Russian language was rich and even changing the language, official language of the country, caused a diminution of their culture and their literary richness, right? And and also lessen the ability of their language to be shared by other people in all of Eastern Europe and all the Russian speakers of the world. And so they lost their influence. Uh, they, you know, they they deplatformed, de you might say, themselves from the richness of the Russian language. Uh, because they certainly wouldn't be as good as the Russian language as, as if you were taught that and the other country was unified. But this was all in the interest of another people 
because because the Ukrainians were being lied to. And because and that was even before the ability for them to lie on a massive scale they have today as as we are being lied today. And as you said, the 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 the, the real war and the mass murder, which probably still hasn't been eclipsed in terms of civilian deaths, as what happened from 2014 to 2022 before the Russian special operation, because we had 14,000 people die, and that was fought in in the areas of eastern Ukraine. These was mostly were civilians, men, women, and children, and others, or any any sort of their kind of militia people, but people supporting their independence. These people have been massacred, massacred. Tens of, you know, 14,000. Go to Wikipedia. Many people argue 16,000. Homes, businesses, schools, they're still bombing civilian targets right now on the Donbass, which we just recently heard for, heard for, uh, heard about. And, um, and this is the kind of thing that we, but the big problem, the reason why these things go on and the reason why this is able to be gotten away with by Jewish power in America is because of the Jewish power in the media. And to talk about these things without talking about Jewish power in social media and Jewish power in mainstream media and Hollywood media and broadcast media shared all over the world and their infiltration of that. These other sins, these other wars, these other destructive elements and the loss of life, the loss of freedom, massive expenditures, a destruction of a whole country and economy because Jews, it wasn't about fighting for anything that was important to Jews, uh, to Ukrainians. It was about what's important to Jews, and they were willing to sacrifice. It's now probably 400,000 or more Ukrainians dead uh, because of this insane policy in a war they couldn't win because they wanted to hurt Russians and pursue Jewish ideas and Jewish agenda. So I I mentioned Victoria Newland's speech to the uh, CSIS. And in the speech, she pulled out, she had a little prop. It was some little knit doll. uh, I I mean, I couldn't even see it, but she claimed that that she had received it from a little boy in a... uh, Oh, I, I, it wasn't a hospital, but recovering from the trauma of having been shelled by brute, by uh, Putin's brutal war machine in Kharkov. Okay, right. now Kharkov, she she acknowledged Kharkov was a Russian-speaking city, but she claimed that this little boy, whom she had a conversation with in Russian, I mean, she she said, I asked him such and such, and he responded, da, Russian-speaking is a Russian-speaking city, and right. and the thing is. Like, um, and she claimed that that he uh, knitted this doll out of blue and, ye- and yellow yarn and named it Patriot, and she keeps it on her desk. Oh, it's some stupid story. Yeah. At any rate, but the th- but the thing is, she's such, the, a, she's you, such a humanitarian. She's such know, a person that I, I loves know, life. It, now they're sending really little boys off to war right to die. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. 
Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. Do you truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs, in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing? The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else... Tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD, 602-799-8214. She's such, a, she's such a humanitarian. She's such know, a person that I, I loves know, know. life. It, now they're sending really little boys off to war right to die. Go ahead. And the thing is, uh, like, when in any individual person, I, I can't say some random individual, uh, if they were scared by Ukrainian bombs or Russian bombs or whatever, I can't say that. But but mm-hmm. in Kharkov, I mean, in the uh, and in the Donbass, the, the people who were, uh, the civilians who were being, uh, bombed were much more likely to be shelled by Ukrainians and Russians. But the, but the point I'm actually getting at is the Jews, whether you're talking about Zelensky, whether you're talking about Newland, whether you're talking about uh, former primary. <laughs> well, I, well I, in this case, I'm talking about the language they speak, because Blinken, Blinken speaks French and Kerry speaks French, but they don't speak Russian yeah. or Ukrainian. Now, but, but uh, Newland and um, Zelensky and 
for instance, uh, former uh, Prime Minister Yulia Tymoshenko, whom yeah, we might start Russian too, talking right? about, they, who's part Jewish, she's part yeah. Jewish, um, but they didn't, they don't speak Ukrainian. That's not their language, and I don't think I, I know that. Uh, Which kind of shows you the Russian insanity about. of everything, right? Doesn't that illustrate yeah. the insanity of what well, they're saying yeah. about against the Russians? And so, Newland speaks. Russian, I assume pretty well. I'm not in a position to judge. As far as I know, she does, doesn't speak any real Ukrainian. I know that um, Zelensky uh, only started studying Ukrainian uh, when he, either when he was elected president or ran for president. And I know yeah. Timoshenko, who was prime minister, she's, she's, yeah. she was very attractive. She was, uh, had the, uh, that iconic blonde braid that would yeah. wrap around her at the top of her head. Um, and she spoke she didn't speak any Ukrainian until she was elected prime minister of Ukraine. Uh, well, you so, know, when you're when you're a brown lizard and you can change the, the your, your your coat and you're on those green leaves, you can change the way you your, your coloration uh, to be to be be hidden from the people. And I've read some things about her about she does celebrate her Jewish heritage. And I, I'm not trying to interrupt you. I just want to make that quick comment. Let you continue. Yeah. Well, in in conclusion, uh, you know, while you've got the this massive Jewish power structure in the United States and in Ukraine that is um, trying to rally everybody around the the blue and yellow flag, the fact of the matter is, not only do they they have an ethnic grudge against Russians, they have an ethnic grudge against Ukrainians as well, and they uh, they don't ha- they don't have any particular. Um, connection with the Ukrainian people, the the Jews in Ukraine. Uh, I, I don't know how many spoke Ukrainian, but but overwhelmingly they're, they're Russian speakers. Right. And so this is they're just they they are just exploiting and using the Ukrainians as pawns in their, their sacrificial own pawns too. Right. It's That's like it's like in a chess game. You sacrifice your pawn so you can get your. Your kings and your rooks and your queens in the in the power, right? Is that a good yeah, analogy? And that, that that's exactly how they're being used, and it's really sad to see. It is, and and, and we're, we're going to go back to a lot of media and the control of the mind, and um, which is which is so important. So let's just take a look at this again. We'll go to the beginning of the war. We haven't we've examined this in different ways, but we're going to compartmentalize it a little bit today. Uh, just to show how they affect our mentality about these things. Okay, so so here's a coup run by another country, overthrowing the legal elected government of another country, and then initiating a war against part of the population uh, on the basis that, well, they were Russian speakers, and and we're going to suppress them because they're not loyal to to the coup, which a foreign nation gave. Now, America, uh, and it's not even America, it's Jew-America, are the Jewish controllers of America, have led us into wars over the last century and a quarter. Easy. I mean, easily. Uh, all the way back from, you know, the the uh, early days by the First World War, I would say, was the most important. So at least 100 years in these wars and um, for, for Jewish interests. Yet these are not quite apparent because we don't hear the narrative. We don't even understand the the Balfour Declaration, which is openly admitted uh, by the Rothschilds. It's openly admitted by the British government. It's written about in the in the uh, papers of uh, 
Lord George, right? He was the he was the Prime Minister of Great Britain. That there was a deal between Great Britain and the war because they were worried about losing the war in Europe. And after Germany freed its troops up because the Bret Lavosk uh, Treaty, and all the German army became free to come to the West. You know, it, Britain was in bad shape, and so they they wanted they needed to get more soldiers because they had such a terrible death toll in the war. So they needed to get fresh soldiers to combat the rising number of Germans who would now be in the Western Front. And so they made a deal with the Rothschilds, uh, with those powerless Jews, right? Pa- Jews don't have any power. That's just a old canard with the Jews that if they would, if Britain would announce that the the British, and they expected to be mandate because they were defeating the, the Ottoman Empire in the Middle East, they expected to have a mandate in the Middle East. If the British would make the Balfour Declaration endorsing a national home for Jews, the founders of Zionism, in another country, you know, populated by their people, by the way. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee... You have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. 
Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. They expected to have a mandate in the Middle East. If the British would make the Balfour Declaration endorsing a national home for Jews, the founders of Zionism, in another country, you know, populated by their people, by the way. But if they would do that, that Jews would deliver or get America into the war, that Americans would go fight and die and spend the proportionate billions of dollars to today's money in, in terms of getting in this war, the First World War, which the mass, vast majority of American people, just like in the Second World War, didn't want to get into. And uh, Wilson himself said he wasn't going to get into. But So the, these are those powers behind the scenes. These are, I guess, where the conspiracy theories are. But it's not a conspiracy theory. There's always a lot of conspiracies. I mean, we know the companies get together and price fix. We know that they're conspiracy. We know that Goldman Sachs got convicted of a global, uh, international, fraudulent bribery conspiracy scheme against Malaysia. They actually pled guilty to a criminal conspiracy on a massive left, $4.5 billion. There are conspiracies. But the interesting thing is, for some reason, in our normal history textbooks, we don't really learn. I wasn't taught this when I studied the second, First World War in, uh, at LSU. I, w- I didn't learn that, you know, that America got into the war in great part because of this agreement between the Rothschilds and global Jewry and American Jewry, that they would get America in the war in exchange for getting this carte blanche to send hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands or whatever Jews into Israel, which enabled the possible foundation of the Jewish state at a time, by the way, when Jews were only about 5%, uh, less than 10% of the population of what became Israel because this massive immigration which made, was made possible in part by the, by the uh, Balfour Declaration, which was actually a, a Jewish, in fact, even Armory, the man who actually wrote the draft, not Balfour himself, but Armory. In, the Jewish, uh, in my Jewish learning and in, in the uh, Jewish major websites, archive sites, and everything else, uh, they talk about how Armory, the guy that wrote the Balfour Declaration, was, in fact, a secret Jew, why he pretended to be of uh, 
you know, of British descent, non-Jewish descent. He was a Jew, a secret Jew, and they brag about his influence in getting the Balfour Declaration uh, created. And then, of course, you had media like the New York Times and many others who, who promoted the whole process and it promoted the war and also promoted the First World War and the Second World War uh, because it was in the interest of the people who owned the New York Times, who uh, controlled the New York Times. And uh, so this is, again, all these things we're talking about here, the politics, the war, the mass murders that came from these wars, were not just, it was not just about the fact that they controlled some of the government officials, which they did, like they had Wilson completely under their thumb. He was being threatened by a, uh, a uh, alienated relations with somebody who was having an affair with, which was absolutely the kiss of death politically and personally at that time in America in the early 19-teens. And he was being, you know, he was basically uh, saved by the Jews, so to speak, in turn for giving them the power they wanted and including getting us into the war. But most Americans don't understand this. But but again, it's the propaganda that we're going to uh, center on now. Any thoughts about that and the, the fact that the control of the narrative, even though back then they didn't have anywhere near the power they have today, but they had a lot of influence in major media sites, which were all like New York Times, which were also repeated and even emphasized by other media sites, both Jewish and non-Jewish. What's your thought? Well, uh, one thought, uh, when I was in graduate school, I took a course on uh, uh, political geography. And uh, one aspect of it, or what's all, 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 it's also, also called geopolitics, but one aspect of it is the interaction between, uh, say, military technology and the um, characteristics of state formations. So, for instance, in, in a period where uh, a defensive technology, such as castles, where castles are the dominant military technology, uh, you had uh, very small states. These, Like, if you look at Europe at that time, yeah. or when castles were dominant in, Kingdoms, in Asia... Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. No, well, you, yeah, you get very small Kingdoms states. Kingdoms and also other uh, smaller areas, too. Yeah, you get very small states. Uh, when you, But before castles, uh, when you had, uh, say, Genghis Khan, and the, uh, the, the technology was the, uh, the stirrup, right, it, which enabled a rider to uh, free up his hands and, and for, for using bows and arrows, right. uh, the mounted horse. Then right. they could sweep across the landscape and create big empires. That type of thing. And that's, it, I mean, you know, that's it's a theory. It's a, it's something that we all study. That's interesting. Now, mm-hmm. just applying that principle to communications technologies, like we, you had during um, the second half of the 20th century, for instance, you had uh, the dominant te- uh, in- information technology was television, and it required a. F- a, it required a fair amount of capital to get going, but also because of the uh, legal framework that was established, you had you had to have licensing, and it wound up in the United States and probably in a lot of other countries uh, monopolized by Jews, right? And you've you've documented the, that very well in you yeah, know, your various books. There were just three at one time. 
were just all controlled by Jews. Not only Jews, yeah. but they were Jews of the same kind of descent as Victoria Newland and Blinken. Yeah, and, it's Eastern uh, European pale of settlement. So exactly. uh, what, um, then you had the, the Internet. And, um, you know, the Internet gave people the ability to start their own websites. And that had a certain impact. You had social media come along. And um, one point that was made by this guy, oh, what was his name? He was on with Tucker um, or, uh, about, I think, on February 8th. What was his name? I think Benz or something that was like it. Benz, yeah, it was something Benz. And and he was making the point that uh, that social media, when it first started, um, it was it was it was mainly a way of amplifying uh, existing narratives that were in the mainstream. But once it matured, individual influencers, individual YouTube account holders, or uh, Facebook or Twitter uh, people started having more reach than the, uh, the the mainstream media itself. And he, he, point, he pins that around like 2015, 2016. And so th- that's when you see uh, this massive change in censorship. Anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is just that w- we're in an era of rapid change, uh, in particular change in the way we communicate and while Jews have had an edge for the past many decades, uh, before even television, they, they were pretty influential in print media. But uh, there are going to be opportunities that arise. And with, uh, with any luck, we can take advantage. And finally, um, we're also increasingly getting, uh, in, in this interconnected global world, we have access to... Uh, media that doesn't come from the United States. We have access to yes. Russian media. We have access to Chinese media. To There's, a degree, there can be yes. a language barrier. To a, to a degree, there can be a language if barrier. If we're savvy on there the internet, be... pretty sense, or we're kind of clued in yeah. by young people that you know go to these all, very strong alternative, like Reddit, or different sources in terms of uh, access. That that great segment, most of the segment, or the largest segment of uh, Americans, don't tap into at all. Right, but there are segments that do tap into these yeah. alternatives, and and the and the younger the people are, uh, the less they are dependent on the mainstream, and this is why you know if you look at attitude towards what's going on in Palestine, even more than the um, uh, partisan divide, it seems that the generational divide is even more stark it's, with yeah. young people. Young people much more sympathetic to the Palestinians, and unfortunately, us boomers uh, stuck in the whole uh, Israel is our greatest. Well, we escaped that, but, uh, but most boomers haven't. <laughs> most boomers, unfortunately, have not. Well, let's um, let, let's let's again em- employ some just rational thinking, and again, understanding the fact. I love the idea of empiricism. I, West, I think the greatest contribute contribution to the Western world was not just its beautiful philosophy, art and literature and architecture and uh, but it was also the ideas of you know aspects of freedom and it wasn't a perfect thing, but the, the Greeks and the Romans developed the idea of, of an idea that justice should be rendered. It shouldn't be simply the most powerful person can just dictate to other people and take away their land or property without some sort of due process. Uh, 
the the Greeks and and the Romans both believed in debate in their legislative bodies or their uh, so-called democratic bodies, representative bodies, uh, that people could have the right to defend themselves. I mean, you, you can read the debates uh, quite a bit in Roman and Greek history. And um, these were great concepts. It was also, um, I think, the, the concepts of the Greeks and the Romans about getting away from, so to speak, the mythos of the time, but just going to the facts and trying to understand the reality of life, the reality of what really happened. And historians tried to figure out not just their own point of view, even though history has always been written by the kings, of course, uh, the victors, uh, but to try to figure out what really happened, uh, this dedication to truth. And I think that was one of the great contributions of uh, the Greek and Roman classical civilizations, which are the foundations, of course, for Western civilization. And now, of course, we're going into a uh, scheme of massive censorship uh, by the Jews. And but it's but it's and when I say Jews, I'm using it in a collective fashion. But it's important to understand, folks, that the problem is not simply a Zionist problem. It's not simply a uh, Israeli problem. And it's important to understand how they program us at all times. So going back again to the Ukraine war for a moment, right, this this war, when, when, when the government installed by Victoria Nuland and the American State Department and the American media and the global media, uh, this, this government that was installed and it was covered up, the aspect of the coup part of it, it was acted like it was a revolution for freedom, when it was an overthrow of the legal, legal government of it. And then this government started a massive genocide. Uh, and, and the truth is there, there, there were for you know, eight years going on ongoing genocide, thousands, 14,000 Eastern Ukrainians, simply because they wanted self-determination for their own people and didn't want to live under a, a government for the people who they didn't vote for right, got power uh, over them illegally through a foreign coup. Yet America made out the eastern Ukrainians as the bad guys. America overthrows a, a government, again, Jewish America, overthrows a government, then starts a, a war trying to terrorize the people of eastern Ukraine to have them give up the idea of autonomy, of having American-style, you know, Declaration of Independence, and, and supporting what they think are their own interests, like they don't have that right, and then demonizing Russia and demonizing the people while they invaded their country and started this mass murder. Now, if it had been the other way around, it, and again, like the American conflict between the North and the South, the South was just asking for independence. They weren't, it wasn't a real civil war. They weren't trying to take over the country. They weren't trying to dictate to the northerners their style or slavery or anything else. They, they simply wanted to go their own way and have a government that they thought was in their interest. They were one-third of the population, but they were paying two-thirds of the source of revenue for the government. And what a lot of these industrial companies in the north, the industrialized north, benefited from. And the south was tired of this orientation of a government that didn't serve the interest of the southern people it wasn't even i think primarily driven by slavery even though slavery was became also a device even by those that didn't care about the issue much one way or the other in the north because there were certain economic interests the north had but again the narrative 
uh, is what drives wars. And this was the biggest bloodletting war of, of all time. And today there is a much more controlled, a much more concentrated concentration of power and the key levers of the biggest media globally, which goes into every country. Uh, and just about everybody in the world is is carrying either an Android phone or a um, you know a a a, a uh, phone out of uh, the other competitor company. Whether you know and and those if those, if they can control those companies, which they do, they hate. What? Uh, Apple phone or Apple phone? Yeah, but Apple. yeah, but yeah, I got it. But I mean, but they Cook. they allow well, the the aversion to thinking about anything connected to Tim Cook. I understand. Right, I understand. But but the, but the Apple lets ADL police them. It's a Jewish racist organization that supports racist demographic supremacy in Israel. And supports really Jewish supremacy over the American network, which were they, and they oppose white supremacy, or so so called, where whites have the greatest power, even in America, which were ninety percent European. <laughs> when I graduated from school, it was almost ninety percent European, not quite, a couple two or three percentage points less. Purposely changed the demographic against about 90% of the American public in terms of their political power, their interest, and so forth. I mean, and to a position where Jews, who were 2% of the population, literally dominated, I mean, dominated American campaign fundraising with both Democrats and Republicans. I remember the Washington Post article saying that how the uh, Jews are trying to control Republican thinking and how like 50% of the biggest contributors of the Republican Party at one time, this is back in the 70s, were Jews, and about 80% of the biggest contributors of Democrats were Jews. And uh, the two biggest contributors of Donald Trump were was a Jew, right? The, th- the top three really were, um, were uh, you know, Adelson, Adelson, who was kind of an insurance policy, Marcus, who was head of uh, Home Depot, uh, two big Zionists, and, of course, among Clinton, 18 of 20. But for some reason, our media never, ever talked about the Jewish domination of politics. In fact, if anybody suggested that Jews were controlling American foreign policy. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be. Great product. A few days in and I could feel a difference for certain. Not checking medical stats yet. I know this is really working by how I feel. We'll continue to take this product. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. 
That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shiloji hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shiloji Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shiloji as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shiloji by other names. Shilojit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shiloji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiloji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new Ease-Off Drop and Lift? What in the world is an Ease-Off Drop and Lift? Our Ease-Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease-Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my Ease-Off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Easeoff, LLC, 417-932-6419. But for some reason, our media never, ever talked about the Jewish domination of politics. In fact, if anybody suggested that Jews were controlling American foreign policy, that they infiltrated the State Department, they infiltrated government, they infiltrated the presidential campaigns, they infiltrated uh, the Gentiles who served as president, and because they supplied the money, and if without Jewish money, or at least a share of it, and without some Jewish support in the media, like even Donald Trump, without some a degree of it, they had no chance of winning power. But this was never talked about because the narrative was that tightly uh, dominated uh, by Jews. And then again, this is again a subject that almost should be at the top of our agenda. Because how in the world do you have any truth about any subject, whether it be the COVID-19 vaccines or whether it be whether lockdowns work or whether masks work or, you know, how do you have any meaningful uh, dialogue? Why is Goldman Sachs still permitted not to have sanctions on it globally? The most criminal bank in the world with 38 cases of fraud against the American government, where they defrauded the American government of hundreds, you know, of uh, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, uh, you know, trillions of dollars. I mean, it, it's amazing that they've engaged. Why aren't they a pariah? 
why are they allowed to be the biggest single corporate contributor or had been over the last 70 years? These are the realities. But the only reason why that's, this is not discussed, it's because Jews control the media and control what the media says to a great degree. And again, that's not total control. But again, because there's social media, too, and other things. But they control basically what is said in the mainstream, most powerful, influential media, whether it be entertainment uh, or music or uh, political, whether it's uh, nonfiction or fiction publishing of books and publishing in this way. They control the major narratives completely. And that's what we seem to get lost on in what's going on in Israel. They, they might say there's a Jewish lobby's got power. They talk about the repression of media, even Jewish commentators like Aaron Maté and Katie Helper and so many others. But they don't dare point out that the same uh, Jewish elite that promotes the genocide of Israel and the racist supremacist state of Israel and their supremacy over the media and the supremacy over media and global media and global banking and the money that does and campaign influence and academic influence in terms of their think tanks and in terms of their cultural approbation and their cultural uh, control or domination. They are really the source of the problems we have in the Middle East. Go ahead, doctor. Respond to that. We are just about out of time. Boy, it went fast the last five okay. minutes. I, I, I'll, I, will, I will respond and I'll sign off. So you hear somebody like Douglas McGregor, who I have a, a pretty favorable overall uh, impression of, yet when it get, gets down to it, okay, so he'll talk about neocons. He'll talk about the donor class. but And, and some people might say, oh, that's a dog whistle for Jews. Well, okay, it might be a dog whistle but most humans don't hear that frequency, yeah, and it goes right past them. It goes right past them. But I want to thank beautiful you for, metaphor. Uh, beautiful metaphor. Today. Yeah. I, well, yeah, and we're dog people. But I want to thank you for joining me today, Doctor Duke. And uh, you can finish up your show, but I will be back again tomorrow with another exciting episode of National Google Radio. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. 
That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 